Hey Coconuts, welcome back to weekly market updates where we scour the net to find worthy financial news to be further discussed and expanded. Got three stories for you today. First, I thought I'd bring something new to the table. Toast, a POS all-in-one system company, just had its earnings call. So we talk a little bit about that one. Musk and Twitter, the saga continues, so we have an update for you there. And last but not least, navigating the UST crash, right? The last week has been quite painful for those in crypto, so we talk it through Luna and UST. It's going to be a great episode. Stay tuned. Hey, Coconuts, welcome back to Weekly Market Updates with me, Rakesh. Anthony. And Jefferson, welcome to the new week. <laughs> Yo. Going to take offense at me again. <laughs> hey, this week short week, this week short week, right? We had a long weekend. Everybody should be in a good mood. Yes, very. Actually, this month, we had two long weekends, you know, which is quite rare. I don't know. I, I feel like I've worked all throughout, so I'm a bit tired, but uh, it is what it is. Right. One, one long weekend was better than the other. Uh, Right. <laughs> last right. last week last weekend wasn't that great for the the crypto world, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But you were on a you were on a cruise or something, right? Last week. So I mean, no, no, no. I wasn't on a cruise. Stop saying that on a cruise. <laughs> you're, you're on a flight. Are we sponsored by what, like Royal Caribbean or something? <laughs> okay. Okay. Anyway, welcome back, Jefferson. Good to have you again. We missed you. Yep. Nobody yeah, to talk you, macro. You guys who kicked me out last week for team. Right? <laughs> <laughs> True, true. All right, all right. Coconuts, for today, we have a couple of topics, right? We're going to start off with a new company. I don't think we've talked about it before. It's called Toast. Nope. Uh, and it's just at its earnings call. Nice. Secondly, we're going to talk a little bit about Twitter and Musk. I mean, again, we have to talk about <laughs> Musk, right, Anthony? Ah, it's terrible. Jesus. <laughs> and, and last but not least, we have Jefferson coming back from the crypto world. Talking a little bit about Luna and the UST crash. Ah, this week is just all right. All right. <laughs> I mean, in all fairness, it is pain. <laughs> <I'm not> gonna... <laughs> that's why I was trying to look for some positive news. So that's why I thought. Well, I, I, thought I, I talk mean, about if, toast, if right? you own like you know Chevron or Occidental, and and you know you're just blindly copy trade Buffett, you'll be doing quite well, I would say. <laughs> or, or if you follow us, you know, if you follow Jefferson from like January and just buy energy, you might be doing quite decently actually. That's true. That's just true. that none of us that actually is very to true, him, but so. unfortunately. <laughs> All right, for our first story, we have toast. Now, Yakun? Jeff, Anthony, have we heard of toast before? Uh, Yakun toast, very nice. Hey. No. You mean like my Not portfolio very. getting toast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kaya Toast. No, um, Toast is effectively a company. So Toast is a company. It's effectively a POS system, right? Point of sale system. And what they do actually is they provide hardware and software for restaurants, mm-hmm. right? specifically restaurants in the United States to begin with. Uh, and this actually includes a, a full suite of offerings, right? From POS systems, payment systems, ordering systems, kitchen operations, inventory systems, staffing, recruitment, and even loyalty cards and all of that to do with every part of your Mm -hmm. business, right? I think that's number one. Yeah, so they actually focus on email campaigns, loyalty programs, gifts cards to to focus on your customers to get them to come back to your restaurant, which I think is pretty cool because you'll also know what they have ordered, right? So think of this all-in-one system um, to handle your entire restaurant. So I think that's pretty cool. And... um, Talk, talk a little bit about what they have been doing because they've just had an mm-hmm. earnings call, right? So they have actually increased and now because, and the reason I'm bringing it up 
firstly, it's because we're moving towards a post-COVID world. So everybody's going back out. Everybody's using the restaurants, mm. going out. It's completely booked out. We know how restaurants are right now, especially here in Singapore. That's terrible. In the US, it's happened for the last... Exactly. In, in the US, it's happened for the last couple of months, right? So there are total locations that have this toast POS system grew 45% in the mm-hmm. quarter, year on year, right? Which is insane. Their revenue grew 90% year on year. Oh, wow. Which is quite decent, right? I mean, it's still a yeah. small number. It's 535 million. Yes, I was going to say, right? right? I just want to point base. it out. But it's, yes, yeah, it's a low base, but it's been growing, mm-hmm. right? It's been growing. And as of 31st March, which is Q1, uh, 2022, they did 637 million, which is up 66% year on year. Okay. That's ARR, right? ARR, correct. They are forecasting the next quarter to be 635 to 665 million. Okay. Right, in the quarter alone. So that's how much they're looking to scale, right? One thing to note as well, they have a net loss. Obviously, they're still scaling. They're still Mm -hmm. growing. Their net loss was at 23 million in Q1 uh, 2022. And compared to net loss of 99 million in Q1 2021, right? So mm-hmm. definitely their net loss has been decreasing. They're looking to pull a profit mm. soon. It's a very small company, obviously, as we know with the, with the, with the revenue numbers, but they actually have free cash flow Ray. of 50 million already. Wait, that's, that's not too bad, right? Yeah, a 10% margin from like 500 mil revenue. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me more, Anthony. What are your thoughts on this? I don't know. I mean, I mean, my first question is, well, restaurants have kind of subsisted forever without this. Do they really need it? Mm-hmm. Like, like, I mean, look, mm-hmm. I think obviously that there can be increased efficiencies in, in how restaurant operates and, and things like that, right? But that tends to come at the expense of cost. You know, may, maybe it's in the numbers and, and their growth is showing that, you know, they, they are actually useful. But I, I think that that's the immediate question that, that comes to mind, right? Because food is really a low-margin business. So so any increase in costs, if it doesn't lead to well increase in revenue for a restaurant, then that's just going to get cut pretty quickly. Absolutely right. Uh, Jeff, what do we think? Who are the direct competitors if you have any inkling on that front? Good question. I would say any post company. I, I would say that they are probably the only one that's focused on restaurants, right? So you, you probably have, you know, yeah. you can probably cobble together a coalition of like, you know, individuals like Square could be providing the, the payments and, and, and some, yeah. you know, payroll type of thing. Then you have some other software for inventory. You have some other software for accounting. And it, I don't think they, they provide anything new in terms of functions. Right. Maybe they have a dif- very differentiated product. I don't know. But it, they are, the differentiation here seems to be that they just you know combine everything into one easy package and then one point of contact rather than anything else. Okay. okay. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Actually, right. that's, that's completely true, right? So they, have, they don't really cobble. They build everything from mm. scratch. They have the email campaigns that go out. They have the online ordering systems. They have cheap delivery drivers. So you don't even need to go to a third party to get delivery if people want to do... If the restaurants want to do delivery, they will actually get you the delivery drivers and delivery partners. Takeaway, all can be done via the app. Uh, literally, think of it, everything you can think of in a restaurant, Toast office. So they could end up becoming like a competitor to Grubhub and Uber Eats and all of that as well? Um, yes, but not specifically, right? So they don't run their own drivers. They work with third parties. So they'll probably get a discount mm. of Uber Eats with regard to the restaurants who sign up with them, get a discount of Uber Eats and discount of all, all the other logistics ah, okay. supply chain size. So, uh, well, I think that we are very constructive on the business front and its prospect, right, for further market mm. share gains. 
but I also think that given the profitability profile and the market's increasing the focus on the the cash flow and the bottom line, to me, yeah, I mean, if you have the if you have the stock, then you can just hold it. If not, like maybe just wait wait out for a bit more, uh, news on, on like the long term margin target. I think that's one thing that everyone was trying to look out for as well. Yeah, and that came out to be a disappointment when they stopped short of having to provide one, and also. The commentary on efficiency initiative also signals the company is responding to the current environment. And yeah, I mean, these days we always must talk about a macro environment for some reason. No, no, no. Yeah. no. I, I think it's, it's just like <laughs> yeah. we're kind of bearish now, right? So instead of just talking about revenue growth, um, which yeah, is in normally used to be like, oh, 90% fantastic, right? Or 60% fantastic. But, exactly, but now we're exactly. just like, oh, no, no, no. We need to yeah, think yeah. about how this flows down to like free cash flow. And it's not just the gross profit, yeah. it's like free cash flow and, and hope maybe even EBITDA one day, <laughs> right? So it's, it's bad. People are yeah. just looking at companies as, as, and whether yeah. they can survive. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm, not, mm. I'm not too sure. I don't look at the stock a lot. I would just say I'm pretty much just neutral to this whole stock itself. Yeah. yeah. From what you just shared. Fair enough. I think one thing to note is that they're actually innovating. So right now they focus on restaurants, but they've actually specialized even more. So they're launching a software specialized for hotel restaurants. Um, I've yet to see exactly what it is, but apparently there's a unique amount of... So, with, for example, with the restaurants, it's to do with the number of courses, the customizability that each of the users have, uh, each of these restaurants have, so on and so forth. So, you can actually build your menu on, on Toast as well. Yeah, okay. but... Okay. I, mean, I, I don't yeah. see how <laughs> yeah. it's any different from... Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what they're saying. They've just launched it. So... <laughs> um, We'll see how we'll go. I kind of think of it as a red flag, right? Because they, they are so early in their journey, you know, they, mm. they should be looking at getting product market fit and, and fitting kind of all restaurants instead of having to create new product lines for, you know, very specific niche use cases. Because then what's next? Oh, I have a different mm. um, system for cafes and another one for like, you know, Michelin star <laughs> restaurants or like, like where, where does this end, right? So, you know, unless it's something that's yeah, supposed okay. to be higher margin, you know, right then if at such an early stage in their journey, they are already looking at you know niche cases to try to boost their growth. Then that really just mm. doesn't feel like they have something that the market really really needs. So so you know, think there's a big temp, or they will, they will tell you there's a big temp. But you know, if if they can't even get a big part of that temp now, you know, without having to become very niche, then then what's the point? Yep, I think that's that's fair. Um, I think one thing to note is their TAM. Uh, let me just pull up the numbers. They say that their TAM is $55 billion in the US. Mm-hmm. They're currently at, at 1%. And of course, I think this is taken not only in restaurants, but it's taken across so hotels yeah. and all of that, right? Um, I think one other thing to note for our listeners is that they just went IPO in, I think, September 2021, which has only been six months, around six months, seven months maybe. So... Uh, for me personally, I am taking a look at it. I know they're growing quite fast. The adoption, restaurant adoption is quite fast for Toast, given that they have everything in one. Uh, retention is good. UI is built pretty mm-hmm. well. Customers like using it. Uh, but for me, I would put that in my watch list and wait and to see exactly how, how it's going it's, through. It's right? near its all-time lows, bro. <laughs> I know. Now, I, okay, I mean, I don't think we should be talking about the stock right now. <laughs> Everything is at its all-time low. Well, no, I mean, I, I mean no, that, that I is, think that's not wrong. That I'm sure that, I mean, look, <laughs> if, if you were a Shopify you know, stockholder from like five years ago, you are still quite comfortably up, right? <laughs> so, I mean, this is just a struggle, I would, I would say. Yeah, yeah. 
Fair. Look at me. I'm trying to bring something new and you're just whacking no, it right no. now. I mean, it's early, right? It's, it's just something that doesn't suit this macro, right? It's probably one of those stories where you go, yep. um, okay, maybe we need to, to let it grow a bit more, let, let it see whether it actually finds a, a proper you know, market and, and it can grow into the temp, right? I, I know it looks super attractive, right? It's like 90% Revenue growth, fantastic, you know that. But it's a small yeah, base. Small, it's a small base. base. But you know, I mean, not everybody gets ninety percent, right? Um, it's it's maybe positive mm, free cash yes, flow, you know. True. So so all these are, are great. Um, it's sad. So presumably margins will be high. I have some concerns about industry because your your sales outreach is going to be terrible, right? How do you reach every single restaurant? But you know, maybe that's a problem they can solve, right? So so I think it's just early, and and all there is is that you know we need to let the story play out, and maybe you can take a small position now, you know, b- because there is some potential, and when the story plays out, you start you know building more and more of your position. Anthony. Shall we jump on to the next topic? Tell us about All Musk. All right. I know you love I'm to. so excited. You love Musk. Creating new, creating new <laughs> M&A law. Are you serious? <laughs> no, I, I mean, this guy is just fucking amazing, right? So, you know, I think everybody knows he, he managed to get financing. Um, He managed to get some equity, some other investors to come on with him to kind of downsize his margin loan and, and hopefully they risk it a bit. He has some rumors about like getting even more equity investors in to, to kind of even further reduce his margin loan. That's at like 14%. It's decent mezzanine financing, but it, it's still relatively expensive. Don't know why he would want it. Um, but the more interesting thing is that he announced that the acquisition is temporarily on hold. Like this is just not something that's done in m as right? You put something on hold before you sign the merger agreement. You, you know, that you the process is you do due diligence, you go negotiate agreements, you sign it, and then everybody pushes to closing. Right now he has signed the agreement. He said, I don't need to do due diligence. I know the business. Three weeks down the line after signing, he goes, Oh, actually, you know what? I'm suspending this shit. Right? It's it's rubbish. <laughs> um, like like he he's creating new ways of doing transactions that nobody ever does because it's rude and it's kind of breaches the contract. But you know. So be it, right? It's, it's Masi does what he does. And yeah, True. The, the price is down back to where it was pre-announcement. So Rack, I, I hope you closed out your, your position. No, I okay, have not. So, so, I think I'm in a loss yeah, now. So, so therefore not. Pain. Pain. <laughs> pain. It's okay. It's fine. Even, even a merger up, like, got Three. paid. <laughs> yes, yes. It's okay. Don't worry. We'll see. Yeah. <sighs> Everything's pain. La. Everything's pain, to be honest. Uh, it's okay. We, anyway, sorry. Tell us more. Tell yes. us more. So all these merger news. Yeah, and merger news. He's rewriting laws literally. Nah, right? he, he's rewriting the, the way transactions are done just because, you know, uh, everybody else would have just found it well, unfeasible. But so, Elon Musk, right? No no rules apply to him. <laughs> so, okay, wait, wait. wait. I, I got a question here. So he, he postponed it. He didn't effectively say you I'm not buying You don't Twitter postpone anymore. things like this. You can't. Like you literally yeah. can't, you know. Um, the the merger agreement will go. All, all parties will make all reasonable endeavors to achieve closing of the transaction. That is this legal of that's his contractual obligation. He he doesn't have a right to go. Oh, actually, you know what? I'm not going to try to cl- close the deal anymore. 
right? So that's yeah. a problem. And I mean, as, as is usual, you know, he come up with some reason like, oh yeah, you know, that there's probably a lot of bots on Twitter. So it's not what I thought I was buying. So I shouldn't be obligated to buy this company anymore, um, which is, well, what due diligence is for, which he decided he didn't want to do. So, you know, it's, it's all okay. kind of silly. Yeah, but as if all things Elon Musk, because it's, he's the world's richest man, you, you kind of have to talk about his silliness <laughs> and, and how he, he makes the silly, you know, not silly, and he gets his way in the end. I mean, we'll, we'll see. So do you think that Musk is not going to buy Twitter anymore? It's off the board? Uh, he, he just wants to, like, play punk, fool around, you know, um, get some attention, maybe get a lower fee, get a lower price, and then, you know, he'll, he'll move on <laughs> in life. Right, because I think, personally, he's having a bit of, Crop. He's balking a bit at the price, right? He thought, oh, 5420, mm-hmm. ah, nice number. I can make a weed joke out of it. But then nobody wants to join him. <laughs> you know, he, he has mm-hmm. banks lined up, but he's on the hook, whether himself or through his Tesla shares for still a vast majority of the purchase price, right? And and it's yeah. not that clear how he'll get the money to, to do it. So it, it might be that, ah, this maybe a bit of a bit too much that I can chew. I like to get a lower price. But of course, I can't say that because I'll lose my face. You know? So let me find some stupid reason to do it. Jeff, what do we think? Well, I, I totally agree with what Anthony is saying, right? It's just him having to, to just pull a stun and then just more attention and what's not. I guess at the same time, also because like Tesla has been getting a little bit of heat from the whole... Uh, <laughs> like him selling Twitter the shares. Saga. Yeah. And, you know... And what's not. So so it's, it's a way to divert attention as well for him to, to do all that, right? Will he actually go ahead with, to buy Twitter? I think yes, he, he probably has to. If not, he's going to pay a very hefty sum of money for, for nothing, right? And mm. to him, it's more of like, I'm going to buy it, but if I can bring it lower, the price lower, that would be even better for myself. Uh, and another thing that I, I want to talk about is about him having to undo Trump ban, right? <laughs> so, you know, like... like Things, little things like that, even before he like, even before he uh, bought the company, he signals that, okay, I'm going to undo this. I want to build, build a more cohesive environment where people can uh, express their view very openly and what's not. It just seems very smokes and mirror to me. Like, you just want to garner more people to come on board Twitter, especially those people don't, that don't have Twitter at all. Yeah, but honestly, I think everything is just smokes and mirror, yeah. Hey, he just needs attention. He does, uh. So I think he will he will come up again when he needs a bit more attention. Like. Yeah, this is exactly what Twitter should do, right? They should just go, you want to renegotiate? Fine. I'm banning you from my service. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right, that, that's the ultimate until, thing. Until you yeah, buy it. Until you buy it, you're not until going to be able to quit it. anymore. That's like, oh shit. <laughs> I have to close now. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Oh my god. Yeah, but, but this whole thing is silly. It's more fun than anything. Um, unless, of course, you're a shareholder which has, who has lost money, then it's not fun anymore. It's okay. It's okay. You'll come back up. <laughs> I'm almost at break even. So it's just below. I got it at 40 something. Almost. Almost. almost at break like, even. like 20% difference. <laughs> almost at break even is a lot better now. Yes, yes. No, like true. 20%. It's true, like true, th- true. 30 something now, <laughs> I think. It's 37. 36. 37. Yeah, yeah 37. 10% to go. You got this. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Tell us what's happening with Luna, man. <laughs> yeah, so this isn't a 10% deep. It's a... <laughs> 99.99? 90, 99%. Yeah. 99% deep all the way to zero. 
Wait, wait, yeah, first so. question first. Oh, did anybody buy Luna in here? Bro, it was my second largest position in crypto. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh my word. Oh no. This is okay. That, that's why I did. I think this we've got to end the podcast here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, this is a very sad hour. I'll just <laughs> log off now. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. How are we still laughing, Anthony? I, I guess it was risk management, right? So I never dared to put too much into crypto. So, it's, I mean, it's it's a five-figure mm. amount, but it's, it's a percentage of portfolio. It's not that much. I, I was reading this blog post today. Somebody lost like two mil. Some Singaporean lost like two mil, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> Just yes. like, what the fuck? Why? How? This, like, no matter how much conviction you have, you shouldn't, right? But, you know, I, I guess that's that's a story for another. He over leveraged, is it, to get the two? No, no, he had two million cash, cash la, you know, he just kind of lost it all. Hey, but very, very impressive, a young guy, like, about our age. Wow. So, Jeff, Jeff, was that you? I thought it was him. Him and his wife, I think. Uh, losing, losing the chance to get two mils of profit. Yeah, not... Not losing two mil. Is it? I, I yeah, thought but, I thought he had like uh, about okay. two, like altogether his value was about two mil before the deepak, and then it just went to zero or close to it. I'm not sure, but yeah, it's still a, it's still it's a huge sum of money loss. My, mine only five figures, so uh, not that sad. Wow! Wow! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> painful, painful. Uh, it was a painful weekend, so uh, painful week in fact. Yeah. yeah. So what exactly happened? Terra. Terra is a, uh, if you guys need a little bit of background, so Terraform Labs, the uh, company behind Terra, got its start in 2018 as a decentralized algorithmic uh, stablecoin. So the original vision of Terra was to create a suite of stablecoins packed to major currencies to lower e-commerce transactions costs and facilitate real-time payments. So you have two founders, uh, Dong Won. I, I mean, I want to say that he's very cocky, but he's also very influential at the yes. same time. And also uh, Daniel Shin. So later on, uh, Daniel uh, part ways from Terra Labs uh, to run Chai. Oh, yeah. um, so Dong Won was the only one that uh, stayed on in Terra Labs. Well, they came up with a very interesting plan, one that relies on Anchor Protocol, which was giving 19.5% uh, APY. Happy days, right? So <laughs> since inception, it was giving yeah. around 20%. And to achieve this you Anchor contributed extra interest payments uh, from an on-chain reserve of UST uh, capitalized by Terraform Labs. Mm. So you want to think of it, is that uh, you stick your money, you, I give you 19.5% APY. Of course, this is on a daily accrued basis. Uh, and back w- where we were, interest rate was super low. So what, what was the bank giving was like 0.5, 0.1%. So yes. this was great. This was super yeah, attractive. Like Everyone cash, wanted right? to put their money. It's a stable coin. <laughs> yeah, so it's exactly. meant to be denominated like one USD. Yes. Exactly, exactly. Yes. So... Apart from just the retail investors, you also have a small ecosystem of neobank startups that emerged, basically offering also a nominal 20% you using Anchor as the backend. So you can think of how, how this whole thing is going to create a cascading effect right now. <sighs> and then you even oh. see Anchor SPVs, which took uh, in dollars from family office and marketed the uh, it at 20% you as well. Yeah. So Wait, people actually did right? that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, because yeah, family yeah. officers yeah. lazy to own their own like fiat, their crypto wallet, so they, they outsource to somebody. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, so wow, wow essentially wow, wow. this created uh this this created more minting of UST only to be deposited into Anchor for USTU, right? Mm. And then at the mm. height, 
Anchor was basically holding more than 14 billion of UST and became the sink for almost all the UST in existence. So it single-handedly made UST the third largest stablecoin in the world. Right. And wow. I, I guess the, 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 the coming right? question is like, like <laughs> how can it be sustained, right? This 20%. Yeah. Obviously, 20% on more than 10 billion of UST means more, more than 2 billion a year in interest payment could then be given out uh, using interest paid by borrowers alone and the uh, on-chain you reserve needed to pay the difference. So you can think of it as Dong Won and his team has to dip into their pockets to, to pay the difference. Yeah, But as the UST deposit grew, the U reserve uh, was also rap- rapidly draining. So it became an issue. So in February 2022, Dong Won was forced to swiftly recapitalize with the reserve with 450 million of UST. Mm. So that's cash, right? Yeah, think of it. Just Ayah, trade he's cash. A billionaire just make sure that oh, he stay. was a billionaire. I don't know if he's still a billionaire. <laughs> was, was, was. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say that it's a Ponzi scheme for sure. Um, but yeah, it's just at the heart of it. It was unsustainable, whatever it is, right? Uh, essentially, it's a huge asset and liability mismatch from that point of mm. view. Um, wow. And from this is that why why do this if it's not sustainable, right? Uh, and why didn't they stop earlier? That's probably one of the biggest questions is that the argument behind Anchor's U was very simple. So Anchor was essentially to the broader adoption of Terra mm. and its stablecoin, uh, UST, and the reflexibility of UST growth alongside the Luna price attracted new developers and projects onto Terra, reinforcing the cycle. So you just think of it as like, okay, you want people to come on Terra, so you, you get more developers to build projects as it scales, the U it becomes more and more sustainable in some sense, but evidently, it, it didn't come mm. to that no, point. Like, it's and, a Ponzi that needs to and, build a business. Yeah. Like, unfortunately, it just crashed before they could build the business. Too much. And then now, the whole Terra community was so dependent on uh, Anchor and unwinding it was no longer an option. So what happened on, was that uh, last Wednesday, last I think. Sunday, I think it was uh, uh, 8 May, you ended up having a UST de-pegging because um, someone was uh, did an attack on them. So basically, um, they were selling Bitcoin to Dongwon for UST. And essentially, then they, de- they dumped the UST back into the market. So just think about mm. it is that you're going to have a huge supply of UST in the market right now. And right at the same time, Dongwon actually put out more UST in the market because of uh, this thing called four pools mm-hmm. to c- sort of create a curved liquidity for to prevent such situation from happening. But the issue with that was that there's so much liquidity slushed in the market and there's no way for Dongwon and his team to remove them. Then the depegging start happening. So the next thing to backstop it was that Dongwon essentially did what every other central bank would have done. You it's- know, tap into a reserve and then he sold Bitcoin and because when he sold Bitcoin in such large amount it created a cascading chain of events where Bitcoin price started going down and on the backdrop of macro events it's already going down so happy days right the the mechanism the pack mechanism went swiftly back to its pack so that's great all good but the next day the same thing happened again, but this time no they do not have enough reserve to backstop this whole situation. So they went out to the market and said that hey, you know, we need a 1.5 billion round of funding. And Jump Capital, Three Arrows uh, Capital came out to say, okay, we are we're gonna help you and stuff, preliminary talks and everything. Mm. 
it was radio silence for almost two days or so. Everyone waited. The de-pegging got worse. People were essentially doing a bank run, redrawing the UST from Anchor. Yep, hello. So now... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was me. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay, so you did a bank yeah, run. I did la. a bank run on UST, okay, okay, but, okay. but um, I, did, I just didn't save my Luna, la, which ended up being a problem. Okay, okay. Yeah, so Got so it. there was so much issues with regards to that. So they're re- redeeming it for either Luna and then they were selling Luna for cash or they were just outright uh, removing the UST and then swapping it back to other stable coins. And Luna essentially slid from 22 billion to 11 billion uh, market cap in a span of hours, shedding 50% of its market wow. capitalization and blowing past the 100% collateralized threshold. <laughs> so now, UST was suddenly under-collateralized. Yes. Yeah, markets essentially reacted violently. So anchor depositors scrambled for exits. Yeah, so more exits, not great, right? So anchor basically completely combust. A full bank run ensued. So you, if you look at the the T, what they call as uh, TLV, mm. essentially it was just going down. Yeah, going, going way down. And the LFG, which is the Luna Foundation Guard armed with billions uh, in Luna and Bitcoin, desperately tried to buy the UST being sold. Mm. But the deluge of selling couldn't be stopped at all. Then at one point, they were transferring 1.4 billion in Bitcoin holdings into Binance. And then, you know, it created even more fear because essentially the entire market tanked out of fear that Bitcoin is going to be sold at market, which... It's already chaotic yeah. enough. So Bitcoin was no diversification at all, as many had already won. So the correlation of crypto asset in times of panic had essentially gone to one. Yeah. And the slump in Bitcoin caused Luna to decline even further. <laughs> and <laughs> Dong won. And Terra came out to project confidence that it's only a matter of time that you know the pack is going to be restored and everything else but everyone yeah. was like yeah we need that we need that funding that comes through from jump mm. trading three arrow and what's not because Terra was too big to fail so wow. but you know this this isn't like the fat right yeah, yeah these guys are not fat they, they can't print money or not. what's not yeah, they, they, they can't create exactly. money out so, of thin air. Oh, I mean like kind of exactly exactly <laughs> Yeah, so they are profit-driven yeah. as well. Yeah, so essentially there was rumors of massive margin costs and funds and market make, uh, market makers that were exposed to Luna and UST having to engage fire sales. The whole market essentially uh, was tanking in lockstep. And as the UST get redeemed for Luna in order to meet all redemption, then Luna had to print at mm. a faster and faster rate. Yeah, mm. so just think mm. of it as you are increasing the amount of Luna in the market right now, and it's insane, right? There's so much more Luna, no, no one is buying. Yep. So it essentially caused a hyperinflationary spiral, like a third world country stubbornly printing depreciating currencies to essentially pay yeah. back its debtors. We, we are, we're just yeah. learning lessons from history yeah. again. <laughs> just in the yeah. yes, so effectively. <laughs> yeah, and and then from one point. At the end of three days, you see the supply of Luna essentially exploded <laughs> from 340 million to 6.5 trillion Luna. A supply expansion of almost eight, uh, 18,000 oh, yeah. times. Yeah. So by, by May 12th, Luna was essentially delisted from all major exchanges, uh, having oh dropped more than six from more than $60 to less than a tenth of a penny. Yeah, I think it's like four yeah. decimal the places blockchain, in front of me now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, <laughs> the Terra blockchain that. was hot, and the cost of a governance attack had dropped so low that for only a few million dollars, anyone could take over the chain and wreck havoc. 
<laughs> yeah, so Terra essentially completely imploded and it was over. Yeah. So yeah, is, is Musk gonna come now and say, hey, I can bring Terra to where it was? No, no. Musk, Musk doesn't <laughs> have enough Musk doesn't have enough money. He needs to save Twitter. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He's 44 billion for Twitter already a bit wonky already. Let, <laughs> let, let, let's not take let's not use margin loan on more Tesla shares. Let, later, you know, you anybody need, who owns Tesla you will need, cry like, some more. You need someone like Yellen to step in and say, I'm gonna print I'm gonna print money to help backstop this thing. I, I, but I, I'll, I, clearly, the central bank I'll say one UST goes one USD. Confirm go back up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But evidently, uh, because of this failure itself, it sort of created a new a renewed vigor for uh regulation. So Yellen mm. essentially came out and said like, you know, it's time for stablecoin to be regulated and there's going to be congressional hearings on the risk of DeFi as well. And if you think about it, it's just a, a huge experiment that gone wrong. I, I think that it would have been backstopped if the attack couldn't have happened because of curve and everything else that they were trying yeah. to do. They knew that there was this issue, but the broader consequences of having to not do it earlier imminent in that sense and it was a lot more painful than everyone expected yeah so the whole Terra collapse is ultimately just a story about breeze and the folly of growth at all costs right yeah so well I, I, I mean yes and, and, and yes and no right so Algo I mean Terra is not the first Algo stable coin but Iron Finance died last year at, at a much smaller base so, exactly. so I, I don't think it, it's, it's exactly. size that, that was an issue I think that the contagion is interesting right because everybody just kind of meant that oh you know shit UST is gone um, Luna is gone then then everybody starts either they get margin call or they just kind of lose a bit of confidence and and you know sell, sell off other crypto assets right and, and that led to the, the whole market kind of tanking because you, you kind of see BTC and SETH as you know all the other you know, crypto even though they, they are different Right, so you know, I think it's just a bit of a waste. Um, it, from my perspective, at least, because if they had gotten, it, if they managed to get to four pool, right, the cost of an attack would have been a mm. lot higher. So I, I think you know, with this attack, yep. it was like hundreds of millions, right? Because you know, they they had withdrawn from mm. three pool, um, that the money was just floating around a bit, and four pool was like two days away, right? But if four pool was you know, yep. successfully funded, to attack the the system like this would have cost billions. Right, and, and that kind of removes the and that kind of lowered the risk of, of it happening, but you know they, they just couldn't wait it out lah, or, or people kind of stuck it. This is my last chance to attack. Let me do it properly, right? And and committed you know proper funds mm-hmm. to it. So uh, a bit of a waste, but interesting experiment. Um, I mean, well, you if you think in, I I beg to differ, right? So if you think about it, like how George Soros actually attacked the Bank of England, yeah. and that was that took billion of dollars as well. Yes. So it's not impossible for someone to to do the same. But the huge difference is really, um, like one is the Bank of England where there's always the confidence from the citizens. A one pound is always going to just be mm. a one pound in that sense. Yeah. So the the Bank of England will just print however much they want to, to backstop this whole situation and in the case of Terra Dong Won isn't a, a money printer in that sense he wants to be a money printer uh, but unfortunately mm. he isn't and I guess also because he was too vocal about yeah. the plans of ter- Terra and UST and I guess at, at some point 
um, the the odds kind of just stack against him, right? And the the whole community as well. Well, I I yeah. guess my my thinking behind it is, you know, once they got to four pool, any attack on UST would kind of have needed to attack USDC and you know Tether and all of that as well, uh, right? Be- because that yeah, is yeah, the liquidity yeah. pool, and and so you know once you know, and to to attack all all of those stable coins together would need a lot more capital, and and maybe you know I think Trend Five players can pull it off. But you you don't you they probably don't have enough kind of like expertise yep. to to try it immediately. Yeah, I mean it's just a very sad story, I guess. Yeah, man. Yes. Yeah, but I do think that there's a there's a couple of things to think about, right? So like the whole crypto, like how contagious can the whole crypto industry be to like the trade fi space? I like just a thought exercise. So I was just thinking about it the other day, like. If you ask a normal person, maybe like a couple of weeks back, like how would it affect your life if the price of some monkey JPEGs and the uh, <laughs> Algo stable coins crash? <laughs> then most people will just tell you like, you know, I don't own any monkey JPEG and I don't inspire to own one. Yeah, so it doesn't really affect me at all. Yeah, and my guess is that they probably be right. I guess that the real world is not too affected about how the whole crypto world is running and what's not as well. At some point right now where you see you have uh, the Thread 5 investors coming in to own cryptos and if the crypto goes down, then they probably have to sell the regular Thread 5 stuff as well. Yeah. So some public companies, they are also exposed to crypto because maybe they are crypto exchange uh, and they, they have levered crypto holdings and what's not. So your boring old index fund may actually go down when crypto goes down. Yeah. But I mean, well, I guess this is more of a bullish view on crypto where there's more adoption in the near future and what's not, right? But it's just scary how one new asset class that we thought like, you know, it's, it's going to have a very different correlation from everything else. It's the same. Huh? No, I, yeah. I mean, but <laughs> that, that, that was kind of yeah. bound to happen if if we started, you know, putting tr- pulling TradFi into crypto, right? Because you know, they, they will use kind of the same, I mean, you would know, they, they will kind of use the same strategies. You kind of look at the, the same type of trades and, you know, you, you are essentially applying old concepts into a new asset class. So you know, your yep. correlations and all that will definitely start, you know, getting more positive, right? And and maybe yep. it's just a higher beta asset class. So I I don't know. Pos- probably, although you look at growth and now it's growth stocks now and maybe not. But you know, at, at the end of yeah. the day, if we are, everybody's going to use the same ways of looking at <coughs> the asset, everybody's going to buy the same things. Your correlation is going to be high, right? And and yeah, as course, the systems get closer and closer together, you know, th- this is a trend that isn't going to change. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. I, I also think that uh, on the back of this, then because of the whole Elgo stablecoins having to fail, um, there was news of Tether depegging as well. They, and, uh, they depegged. I was so scared. That one I was yeah, scared. They that one I was legit yeah. scared. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but to, to me, I wasn't that scared because I think that uh, a lot of the exchanges were also using uh, USD, uh, USDT, they will definitely defend. And I think there were quite a few exchanges that were defending the pack as well. Mm. Uh, I think mm. Bybit was one of them uh, that was defending pretty hard to prevent a, a run on the crypto bank. Yeah, and today news, there was, there was news that the, the New York uh, Justice Committee said that, you know, Tether has to review whatever they are holding on the back of it as collateral for USDT, despite the petition that went on. Maybe in the next couple of weeks, we'll know whether it's true that they are holding <laughs> junk bonds. Uh, China commercial Chinese. paper. <laughs> Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. So 
let's just see how how that goes. <sighs> yeah, scary scary times. Uh, in the crypto world, it's, it's okay. Yeah. I, I saw I saw Tether Depack and I, I de-risked a lot of crypto. I I take the loss and I forget it. Like keep some, but the, the I'm not. It's it's not as bullish. I think that there, there will be time to go until the next cycle comes. Yeah, I, I guess from this right itself, there's probably some takeaways that we should learn from the whole death spiral as well. Like number mm. one is that there's really no free lunch in this world. Like the you and risk are always correlated and it's always non-linear in that sense. Yeah, like like twenty percent. I mean, well, think about it. Like, no, what bonds give you twenty percent? Like, only junk <laughs> bonds, right? Shambles don't give you eight percent. happy that, really. If that, yeah, yeah, yeah if exactly, that, exactly. Yeah. If, yeah, if, yeah, yeah. So, if you're getting high, high U means you're getting high, high risk as well, and it's super high U, absolutely just means exponentially higher risk as well. So it's just the mm. immutable law of finance, right? That's one. And number two is that. I think we all saw that everyone got hit pretty badly, that that people that just ate into Luna and what's not. And humans are just really bad at measuring risk and we just love to gamble. Yeah. So no amount of regulation can, can stop us at that front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm sorry, my, my takeaway is look, we all have to be very aware as a Ponzi, right? You size it accordingly and twenty percent return, twenty percent APY is not good enough to join a Ponzi. Right? If if you are like hundred, two hundred percent, okay, maybe you can. Because <laughs> you just need you just need yeah. to last a bit, right? You you don't need to last too long. But if it's twenty percent to get anything meaningful out of it, you either have a huge size, which is bad risk management, or you have you know to be there for long, which doesn't help that it's a Ponzi. So I I guess you're not wrong because <laughs> I always remember one thing that my economics my JC economics tutor mentioned, right? If you play stupid games, you always win stupid prizes. So not wrong on that front as well. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Yeah. Yeah, and the last <laughs> takeaway probably be like, you know, Bitcoin uh, maximalist uh, makes more sense than ever. Like, you know, if you hold Bitcoin essentially as a digital alternative to gold, you actually make a lot more money than uh, having to hold other altcoins. So someone did, a, like some gigabrain in the crypto world did, did some study on it and then they realized like, yeah, just, just hold Bitcoin. Uh, whatever, whatever you talk about, like your majors, uh, like Luna and what's not. At the end of the day, people want things that are exciting. And then when all things shiny and exciting goes away, then you fall back to like Bitcoin and Ether as well. Really? So okay. maybe that, those are the best coins to hold. Yeah. Actually, that, that's interesting. I, okay, la, I mean, you can kind of see like Bitcoin and, and Ether as the safe assets in that sense in, in the crypto Safer world. Safe assets. Uh, they're, they're, they're safe. <laughs> la. If they die, then, then the whole crypto ecosystem is dead, right? You can kind of treat the last five years yep, as like yep. a, a nice experiment. Yep. But, but yeah, you know, may, maybe that's the way to think about risk in crypto. It's not about like stable coins and maintaining your, your fiat value. You kind of have to think about denominating your, your crypto investments um, in other cryptocurrencies by itself. Mm. Yeah, so I think all in all, yeah, the Luna blow up is just another step in the painful. It's, it's just another Monday. financial literacy, right? It's just a financial literacy yeah. lessons that have to be learned the hard way by expensive, every generation. Like expensive lessons. Yeah, like expensive exactly. Lessons. Poor guy, man. <laughs> he's like a billionaire to like. Hopefully, he's still a billionaire. I mean, uh, it was a very interesting experiment. I mean, so you know. Yeah, um, he, Fun, well, he. There was police being patrol like patrolling outside his Korean house now, right? Yeah, yeah. like like it's, yeah, and, and, and some idiot Singaporean made a police report. I, I hope he, they are not a listener, yeah, yeah, yeah. but if, if they are, yes. No, I don't know why I made a police report. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess like there's there's a lot of things that there's a lot of cascading effect. At the end of the day, like losses be losses. Mm. But 
the money can always be earned back, right? At some point, you can we can always say like we wish that regulators could protect us from the loss and ruin at such point in time. And then back then we were all saying like, oh yeah, deregulation is something, decentralization and what's not is is what we want. And it's just a lesson learned, and we all have to pay for for what we ask for as well. Yeah. yeah. So gotta just keep our risk ma- uh manageable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's still about position sizing, right? At the end of the day, crypto is fun. We we just went through like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Actually, we we have a crypto episode coming, right? Hopefully, so uh, in a couple of weeks, coconuts. We do have one a little bit. We we can do a lot more. So please let us know. Slide into our DMs. Go to our Telegram group. Let us know if there's more you want that, us to that do bear in market terms has started. of crypto. Crypto winter is here. Nobody wants to talk about crypto anymore. <laughs> you, you look at all the like crypto here. Telegram chats. It's just silence. <laughs> but at least we can analyze, you know, learn from mistakes <laughs> and then repeat them later in history. Yes. So I mean, <laughs> hopefully we make money first, um, then we make the mistake. But you know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> Awesome, man. Yep. Uh, thanks, guys, for, for coming in. And thanks, Coconuts, again for listening. Jeff, Anthony, and I signing off. And we'll see you next week. All right. Bye. See you, guys. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with me, Rakesh. And trust that you learned something today. If you enjoyed the session and want to be part of the banter, join our community Telegram group or follow us on social media. We also have a weekly newsletter to get a digest of the news we covered. To sign up, please click the description below. As always, we love your feedback. So share that with us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks and stay safe.